Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists from around the world to join us for spring 2023 marathons in drawing and sculpture from January 17th to the 27th. Rigorous and immersive, marathons unfold over 10 days from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time daily and present an extensive range of art-making strategies, comprehensive critiques, and inspirational discussions. Expansive first-hand discoveries propel artists to relate to drawing and sculpture as direct methodologies for understanding their experience in the world, the profound impact of which continues far beyond each marathon's conclusion. Visit nyss.org to apply today. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden makes the best acrylics and mediums, core watercolors, and Williamsburg oil paints in New Berlin, New York. An employee-owned company, Golden is dedicated to making the best paints that artists can use in their studios. I've been painting with Golden for over 23 years, and I swear by it. Check out their paints at your local art store or at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. They make amazing coffee and ship their beans to your doorstep so you can have incredible coffee at home. I'm an avid coffee drinker, and I love the coffee that I get from Fulcrum through their subscription service. There's always new coffee to try, and it's always top quality. Check out their coffee at fulcrumcoffee.com and add the code ALFREDSTUDIO to your order, and you'll get 20% off. That's a pretty great deal. Fulcrumcoffee.com Why I Make Art is out now. My book from the Sound and Vision podcast has features on 30 artists I've interviewed, tons of quotes from the artists I've had on the pod, and even some sketches from the Sound and Vision guest book. It's 25 bucks well spent in my opinion. You can get it wherever you get books or from the publisher's website, atelieredition.com. And if you get it or already have it, please leave a review and rating where you got it. It's been an amazing response from the book and I hope it gives you inspiration in the studio or in your daily life. Cynthia Daigneau received a BA in art and art history from Stanford University. She's presented solo exhibitions and projects at many major museums and galleries, including the New Museum of Contemporary Art, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art, the Mass MoCA, the Modern Art Museum of Fort Worth, the Brooklyn Museum of Art, and White Columns. Her work is in numerous public collections, including the Metropolitan Museum, the Dallas Museum of Art, the Walker Art Center, and the Baltimore Museum of Art. Cynthia is a regularly published author and editor of numerous publications. The first major monograph on her work, Light Atlas, was published in 2019. She's the recipient of numerous awards, including a 2019 Paula Krasner Foundation grant, a 2016 Foundation for the Contemporary Arts Award, a 2011 Rima Hort Foundation Award, and a 2010 McDowell Artist Fellowship. She currently lives and works in Baltimore, Maryland, and I spoke with Cynthia about mixing the conceptual and the technical, parenting and working as an artist, her history of playing music, finding ideas and ideas finding you, and much more. Here's our conversation. So, um, 
So you've got you've got a ritual going basically. I'm in yeah, you know what? I don't say this with any like joy or positivity either. I feel like uh I preferred life when it was more unpredictable. <laughs> when you know like especially you know, I had kids late and being a painter and being an artist, I had 20 years of work whenever I want, come work 18 hours in a row, come home from the studio at 4 a.m., go out to a party and then go back to the studio, <laughs> you know, like yeah. living in New York City. Um, I had a great time and I made the most of my youth. But uh, yeah, I think I lived that way a little too long. So uh, having a kid is a huge adjustment uh, yeah. to schedules and structure that I never had, responsibility that I never had. and. I'm still, you know, I'm still getting used to it. My studio practice is still getting used to it. Um, what yeah. that means to to live life, uh, and I know there are painters like this. I know there are painters who are always like this, who get up at a certain time, go to the studio, work set hours. They're like, you know, they got a nine to six practice or whatever. But yeah. um, for me, it's it's an adjustment. I'm becoming that kind of artist, which you kind of have to be, <laughs> you know, to, right. to yeah, have yes. a child and be a painter. and. Um, you know, I don't think my work is suffering, but uh, it's more just that uh, it's probably like a midlife crisis thing where I'm like, oh, life used to be so exciting and unpredictable. And now I know where I'm going to be at 2 p.m. tomorrow, you know? Right. Yeah, you're on you're you've like dropped anchor in a way. Yeah. Like you have that responsibility that well, yes. although you did get a good run there. I, mean, I had some a good people, run. <laughs> I went 25 years. The, the kids right out of the gate. No, it's I, just like I, responsibility I can't complain. I can't complain. hits you, you know? Yeah, and I miss night. I miss night painting. Uh, I miss like working in the. I was always a night owl, like night person. I, I love to work overnight. You know, like yeah. uh, paint till three or four a.m. and then go home. And you know, I I don't love the early morning, but uh, children love the early morning, which is really. Uh, oh, yeah. I've lost some painting hours I used to really love between two and five a.m. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. So Flow state. Yeah, I miss I miss those a little bit, but otherwise, otherwise, it's good. And you know, the truth of the truth of the matter is, like, it's good timing because it's a lot healthier to work, like, uh, right. to work with a structure and a schedule and have a sleep schedule. And when you're older, your body doesn't bounce back. You can't run it to the ground like you used to. And yeah, um, It's good timing. I mean, I was saying that at a like a lecture at a university recently you know when you're there's this romantic idea of an artist and when i was in my 20s i definitely shared this that like an artist runs on cigarettes and parties and late nights and like you know and that's that's what it is to be an artist and you know now in middle age i'm like no it's like you're like you're more like serena williams than you know right. Keith Richards like yeah you gotta stretch your shoulder before you work you gotta go to PT you gotta sleep eight hours a night you gotta be sober you yeah. know like sober beast and you know my best work comes when I'm in that when I'm in that run when I'm like really taking care of myself you know and like really right. sleeping well and yeah uh, you know I I should have learned that much earlier but um it is it is a gift so in that way, you know, kids are a wonderful compliment because if you're the kind of person who maybe naturally wouldn't be that healthy, it kind of really forces that, you know, forces yeah. that, that life onto you, that kind of monk, you know, this is a practice, I'm an athlete, 
this is, you know, that's that's what we're doing. So I, if you I'm enjoying it. If, if you want to be, if you want to be a good parent. I mean, parent, some people yeah. bypass that. That's like, yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Whatever. And if you want to be a parent, I mean, some people also outsource parenting for sure. Uh, that is true. Which Drop them off. We chose uh, to be involved. I mean, I, you know, Engaged, I was yeah. like, if I'm going to have kids, I'm going to like hang out with my kids. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, just idea. don't have them, I guess. Uh, right. Because there's a lot of sacrifice, because you sacrifice a lot of your painting practice, at least, you know, as a woman, at least for a few years. I, I see this with other women who have older kids. I think that's not true later. I think there, but there, it, there are some years when you're doing birthing and breastfeeding and young child where uh, you're definitely like you have two masters and you're kind of bad at both you know uh, right. my painting practice is gonna like suffer through these years a little bit and then you know three years from now I'll I like all women who get out of that phase of childbearing they go through this like insanely productive phase where it's like ah, I'm free <laughs> you know right, like, yeah. uh, you know, school look, look at all these painting crazy. women in their 50s who are like incredible and like out there and killing it and you're like what was she doing 10 years ago it's like oh, oh yeah she was raising a young child uh, yeah, so I told I told I told that to my gallery the other day. I was like, "You just got to stick with me for the next three years. We're gonna do the best we can, and then we're gonna be gangbusters again." Right. You know, I talk about that a lot. I think. Oh, I I try to talk about being a parent and having a kid. I think that discussion about you know artists when it a lot of times it gets you'll hear women say like, "Oh, well, everyone just asks women what it's like to have a kid and be an artist." No one asks a man. That's and so, I, true. you know, I try to talk about it all the time because, you know, when my kid was little, my wife worked like a nine to five, like she or not nine to five, like, you know, eight till midnight or whatever mm. in the fashion world. And, uh, you know, I was the stay at home dad. I was the one who was mm. taking care of the kid a lot. So, you know, and did it affect my art practice? I, yeah, I, the hours change. Like you're saying, you you get better at notching out the time when you're totally. at the studio because before that I would just work all day and night you know, be on the internet a lot and take it easy and just sort of like have all the time in the world. But, you know, I think, I don't think it's, I think men have that. Too. Oh, you know, 100%. It's, I mean, my, I, I see it with my own partner. Too. Yeah. I mean, my yeah. partner and I share the childcare 50, 50 and, you know, when I'm like, uh, and we're a two artist family, you know, being both yeah. artists and raising a kid and, uh, you know, I, I say it was great to date an artist and partner with an artist because, we both under understand each other's selfishness and like narcissism right. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. you know like i need to go to the studio for 3 months and never see you and i need you to not to be cool with that you know like <laughs> right to understand uh, that that's necessity yeah. yeah and you know he he's a photographer he's a road photographer the kind of like eggleston stephen shore walker evans style mm -hmm. and he would go on the road for 4 or 5 months and um, you know like that worked well with me because when he would go on the road i'd be like sweet Bye. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm going to get so much done in the studio when you're gone, <laughs> you know. And, um, you know, now that we have a kid, it just means that uh, we still have to do that trade off about who who has to like be primary parent. But, you know, when I'm working right. on a show when I'm working on an art fair, when I when I'm on a deadline, he has to really pick up a lot of the slack. And when he goes on the road, I have to kind of pick it up. And, you know, because of that, these years before school, you know, that's why I said those those few years, you know, we both we both know that like our practices have to suffer a little bit, you know? And yeah, it's like you said though, you get more efficient. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I, to be honest, I haven't painted any less than I did before, yeah. which has been a like positive thing to, to see. 
I just have given up a lot of the like flopping and relaxing in the studio. <laughs> I know <laughs> like, exactly what you mean. The, you just become more streamlined. Uh, you yeah. know, also like the, the part of me that's like, I suck. I have to lie on the couch for two hours. You know, no like, time for no that. Time for that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> just get to work. It doesn't matter. It's also very it's healthy. Work. You know, like it is. Yeah. yeah, you can't overthink it at that point because you get don't have work. the time. No, and you know yeah. the other thing is, you feel. Someone else told me this. Um, the, the art historian Alexander Nemiroff, we were talking about this idea of art as suffering, like this very kind of bohemian idea as the artist goes to the studio and they suffer. You know, this is a very like, you see this in art schools all the time. Like, right. like that it's like, it's so painful to make my work, you know, like it's so difficult and I'm really suffering doing it. And, um, you know, he, we were talking about that, that idea of like, and, and, you know, when you're young that you can be like, oh, I suck. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I have to, you know, like that you're so hard on yourself and that you make the, the work so hard and you make it so hard to do. And that like that somehow that justifies the quality of the work, that if it's really hard and you're really suffering, then you can feel good about yourself, that it was yeah. worth it or, or that somehow that that's like a true work of art or some kind of like Baudelaire idea or something. And, you know, he was really challenging me that you know, he shared that idea as a young artist and writer and creative, but that in, in middle age, he kind of rethought about it. Like, well, why can't it be easy? And why can't it be joyous? And why can't it just be the lightness? Like, why can't the studio just be this place you go and you're so happy to be there and it's what a gift and what an honor to be an artist. And like, what a joy to make your work, <laughs> you know, like, like, why can't your work come from this place of that? And uh, that's been something. Guilt. Yeah. And, that, and that's been something that give, having a kid gave me, too, which is like, I'm so happy to be at the studio and I'm so happy to have the time carved out. And I'm so like grateful, you know, to have that like, like, oh, wow, I've got a whole week when I can go to the studio every day and, and I don't have to think about anything else that I do feel a kind of like giddiness uh, that I haven't felt probably ever in the studio where I'm like, oh, it's just wonderful. I'm on top of the world. What a great job, <laughs> you know, what a yeah, great life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to challenge myself to like let go of suffering and just be like overwhelmed by by joy and practice and, and, and quietude and, you know, like more helpful emotions uh, because I don't yeah. I don't think much, at least for me, the like shame cycle, it never did much for me. Um, right. Except yeah. make me feel sad. <laughs> right. Well, I feel like your work um, has this balance of, there's a sort of, or at least from an outside perspective, the, a joy of painting and, or image making. But at the same time, there's this like often conceptual rigor to the work that's it's really, you know, thought based about society or time or space or sure. all that stuff you know what i mean and uh so i would imagine that you know your that your working conditions are malleable to the work in the sense that you can shape whatever those circumstances are into whatever you're thinking about making in the studio yeah i mean that's like a, a long introduction into saying that like i've been a big fan of your work for a long time and Thank I, you. it's not just the striking visual nature of it it's also just the ideas behind it are just so interesting and they're it's not 
like the work is cohesive when you look at it. Cause I was spending time yesterday just looking through, cause I've, I've known your work for a while looking through the website and seeing it kind of like, you know, a timeline going back in time. It's very cohesive. There's a lot of different work that looks different at just on the surface, but you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's very cohesive. It's yeah. yeah. But it's, it's so different in a way. Like you can tell that like, Oh, then now there's this idea. I'm going to push my brain into this, you know, realm. And like when I was young, I, w- I went and saw a Van Gogh show. It was a big, I don't think it was a retrospective, but it was a survey. And I remember, I wasn't that sophisticated then, but I remember just saying like, oh man, you could just see him thinking about changing the work, going from here to there. Yeah, totally. There's something really cool about that. And um, it seems like you're on that track. I don't know if that's not even a question. No, I get it. I mean, well, I'll respond to two things. One, which is like um, the premise that you started it with, like that love of painting and joy of, of mark making and that like love of ideas. I mean, that just kind of sums up who I am as an artist or who I am as a person or what my uh, what my life is like, what my thought life is like, which is how, how I became an artist. I mean, half of me it, as an artist is that person who just loved making art, which is why I do it. Like, I took a million figure drawing classes. You know, I had a very, like, traditional education in that I... I you know, I did a lot of like figure drawing ateliers, <laughs> you know, like, like uh, three damn three times a week, I'd go and like, you know, with a bunch of middle aged men and drink wine and like draw from the figure. And, you know, long before was I had a career, I did it in New York. I did it in Portland, Oregon for years when I lived yeah. at Hip Bone Studios. Throw out to Jeff. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, and it was, you know, classic kind of I mean, if anyone's ever been to those kind of nights, you know, it's got the kind of local artists who are excellent technicians and draftsmen and have been studying Rembrandt for, you know, like uh, 30 years and go every week to drink wine and, you know, draw from the figure between six and nine at night. And, you know, I I did that for years. I, that's kind of, I just loved to draw and to paint and to, you know, make, make work. And I, I never even, thought I'd be an artist it just was almost like this hobby that I just kept doing and didn't stop doing and it became the one thing that really held my interest and I didn't hate the people in the field (laughs) you know like I liked the people (laughs) I was meeting I liked the you know I liked the the world so there is part of me that's just that person who likes to draw and likes to paint and I was never like very I wasn't like in that I wasn't good at it in that way that in school it's like oh she's amazing you know like I wasn't that student the technical one yeah I wasn't that student who was like amazing but I was the one who loved it and like kept doing it which is you know worth a lot and uh yeah part of me is that person and I I really loved traditional painting like the history of painting I loved you know and I went and studied in France and Paris uh to do that to go there and like learn about impressionism and do landscape classes and you know and I came back and went to the New York studio school and did drawing marathons there which is a very traditional like place to study and uh yeah so half of me is that person and that's still in the work which is that love of painting with like a capital p history the practice of it you know like and that's the part who can just keep doing it you know who can paint 10 hours a day and I don't get bored of it, you know, like for whatever reason, it's just something that's like a practice for me that I can just do all day. And I, I 
disappear into a place. And, you know, I compare it a lot to meditation or yoga. I just kind of settle into this quiet flow state and work, you know, where I'm not thinking about it and I'm just doing. And I continue to be uh, excited by it. I continue to be excited by the new things I learn. And when I figure out something new or some new way of working or some new brush that excites me or, you know, like the nerdiest stuff, like I can... That'll take me through another year, or get me through another six months. But then the other part of me is like, I'm a very cerebral person, and a, uh, like I'm a thinker, and I am a, like a, an abstract thinker and a writer and very analytical. And that part of me is equally part of me, like the part that thinks about the world. And I, I, I still write. I was always a writer, like nonfiction writer. I, I, I was just actually I'm just finishing a writing project right now for a catalog about photorealism. Nice. Um, but I, I third that part of me that likes to think about ideas and synthesize ideas and have a thesis and have, you, you know, ha- take on kind of like big complex ideas and respond to them in a linguistic way and in a conceptual way and organize them. That part of me, you know, I think when I realized I'd become an artist is when I got to the high enough level and the collegiate level that I met real artists. And I realized they're not just like the practical type, you know, like the practicing, like local craftsman type, that they are thinkers, you know, and that when I started to meet those kind of artists who are, you know, big thinkers and conceptual people and I was like oh well that's a job that's a job for me <laughs> I guess right. like, the merging of these two things like it's like writing a paper or having a thesis but it's one you get to walk inside of you know right. you get to see yeah. it and, and, and make it and walk inside of it and it just turned out that contemporary artist is the synthesis of those two parts of myself you know that i could yeah you can be a painter but also be a contemporary artist and have ideas and put them out there and you know neither one of them it rules my person more than the other and they are both subservient to each other you know that uh there's no love of doing without the ideas for me like that's where i fall in love with with the work that's where i get the desire to make something that's where i get the ideas and like the drive to make a a piece or a project but um it's the love of doing which keeps me going you know (laughs) like because otherwise i guess i'd be a different kind of artist otherwise i'd have assistants or a big studio you know i I, if i was more one or the other i I could still be an artist but my structure would be different you know like yeah um, you feel like it's a pretty good balance right yeah I, i i mean for me it's all it's the only option there is I mean, yes, there's times the, that you have the grass is greener feeling where I do look at the artists with like uh, the big studios of 20 people painting for them. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> you know, like, there. I mean, I'm sure it has downsides and it's actually really great to not have employees and to make my own work. And like, you know, and painters who make their own work tend to be um, they tend to like like uh, they tend to be like proud and righteous about that a little <laughs> a right. little bit i made this no one helped. i made yeah. this um yeah. it which my it, it doesn't make it any better but you tend to right. you're still like you know i did it um but yeah so uh yeah no there's grass is greener moments where i look at other people's career and i'm like oh wouldn't it be cool if i was that kind of person but you can only be the artist that you are you can only be the person that you are and you know, a lot of life is making peace with loving the artist that you are, not not the one you wish you were. You know, but uh, definitely. 
yeah i i've made i've made peace with it but yeah i, I think it the balance does it does keep me going you know and it, it does it's where i find excitement and and the second to the second point of what you said like the phases in the work has a lot to do with you know a, a reflection of where I am in my life, where the world is, like what things we're thinking about and talking about. And, you know, as an example, what I'm studying, what I'm learning from, you know, I used to work for artists uh, in, in nonprofit artist foundations. I worked as a studio manager for a number of artists. And I can see each of their work as a phase, you know, like if I look through my website, I'm like, Oh, those are the years I worked at the Felix Gonzalez Torres oh, yeah. Foundation. Those are the years I worked for Sean Landers. Those are the years I worked for Kara Walker. Like, like I can see their ideas in infecting me, you know, like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and they're yeah. all in my work. I mean, everybody I worked for, like all the artists, Motherwell and Sean Landers and Kara Walker and, and Josephine Mexieper and Felix Gonzalez Torres. Like the artists, I, I spent a lot of time with their work are in my work you know like i can see yeah. their ideas and i can see the conversations i had with them like shift the work at different times and infect it and then similarly i can really see 2016 and the election hit the work you know which yeah. i don't think i'm alone in that i think a lot of people's work shifted to the political at that moment from yeah, a more definitely. like universal stance so and I can see the different phases of my life when I moved from New York and when I had a kid into the work, enter the work. And I think that's all just, I mean, that's where it does relate very strongly to Picasso. Like what you're thinking about and dealing with is, you know, if, if the work, if you're making the work and the work is a reflection of you, it's kind of impossible for it not to reflect those phases. I'm a young man. I'm, I'm, this, this phase is about ego, this phase is about career, this phase is about sex, this phase is about my decrepitude, this phase is about the loss of my vision, this phase is about the loss of my erectile function, you know, like what, like, oh, that's a lot. That, just that's Picasso, you know, no, I know. <laughs> um, that's not me, that's Picasso, but, but I have, you know, like, uh, my similar phases, right. you know, um, yeah, we all, like, we all go through yeah. some, it's, it's like, you know, that, that idea that everything ebbs and flows, you know, as an artist or in life or whatever, and, Sometimes some people have bigger dips and hills and valleys and, you know, but it, things are cyclical. They kind of like you move through these phases Yeah, and, and I, sometimes they look like older phases, but they're right. different, or you, you know. You know, I always describe the metaphor as like a record. You circle like a LP going on a turntable, like you circle around and come back to the same place, but you're not really in the same place. Like right. the groove is moving forward, but you do circle around. And I find I often circle back to like, oh, I'm returning to landscape or I'm returning to a very personal series or I'm returning to something very not personal, you know, like, yeah, like, uh, but it's never the same. It's always like one or two grooves over, you know, like further down the line. You know, I'll give you an example, uh, a recent example, because I just wrote about this for yesterday. So it's fresh in my mind, which is, um, and I, you know, I don't often, I think because, because the work is like, cerebral and about these big ideas and for many years I was very like uh against anything personal in the work Be I think because or like for me personally when I was in art school there was like the years that I was studying painting like when I was an undergraduate 
I think there was a real like eye roll at the people whose art was like therapy or who made art about like their personal problems, you know? Right. And there was like, uh, you know, like the, the, the person who's making the work about their eating disorder or making the work about their parents' divorce or whatever. Like that's actually very justifiable. And right now in, like, that seems like a very antiquated position. Like right now people are like, yeah, get personal, make it really right. yeah, subjective, yeah. you know? But at the time I was studying, that was not considered, I don't know, it, it wasn't really, like we were in a phase with work where at least the, the, the school I went to and the circle I was in, that was considered kind of cringy. And I think yeah. I was raised to like, don't make work about anything personal, make work about other things, you know, like right. be like, you know, Corbet or Monet or, you know, like, uh, more universal. Make Don't work make about it just about universal. You. Yeah. yeah. Or if it's about you connect it to other things or, you know, yeah. whatever. And I think, um, you know, years later I kind of came to terms with the fact I, I've described this to people. Like I had kind of like a real like crisis moment after my white column show. Cause I felt like I'd always treated art as this, like, um, like it was a like clever gamesmanship. That's what you were doing, like trying to figure out like where to locate your work on the razor's edge, not right on anyone right. else's work, and have those ideas. And I think I had closed out some of the personal and how powerful that can be. And working for Felix Gonzalez Torres and working for Kara. And seeing that there is this through line between the personal and the political, between the personal and the universal, and that I had closed out some of that. And, you know, I was I had an artist tell me, like, do some therapy, like, you know, go do therapy for a few years. And I, you know, did therapy three times a week for years and really kind of like let that back into the work. Right. So this is all a long preface to say I don't always think about the person I didn't always think about the personal in my work but I have come to like embrace that and let that into the work more but I it's never the first thing I think about it's always like the ideas are probably the first thing I think about or the universal yeah. and then I kind of like I'm like oh that's is also about me like I kind of realized that later but recently I made this series at the independent of these like all black paintings I was making these yeah. black on black paintings and um Anyway, I was making these black on black paintings and, and on one hand, they're this natural like next step from what I was making before. Like I was making these Grisel works. I was like thinking a lot about history painting and what contemporary history painting would be and thinking about America and was making black and white works and works about document and, and about, you know, uh, history and memory and it's very natural to like segue into a black on black work like you know not a, it, it makes perfect sense when you look at the timeline but then in retrospect it actually turned out i was very sick during that time i was diagnosed with like an autoimmune disease i was very sick it was before i was diagnosed and i was in this phase bef before i realized i was as sick as i was i was and i was like in a basically a manic episode i was like losing weight very ill but still working and kind of like unraveling while, <laughs> while i was working oh, and uh but what's crazy to me and this is like really moving to me is that's when goya made the black paintings you know like right. like yeah. goya was really sick <laughs> and then and that's what his body like wanted to make and yeah. what's crazy is like 
in that place, I just really wanted, they're, they're paintings about death, they're paintings about trauma, they're paintings about sickness. And it was all I could make right then. Like I, I it was time to make work. And like, I, that's, I was just like, overwhelmingly like I'm gonna make the I want to make these black on black paintings and they were really like they're really like dark paintings about like 9-11 and Sandy Hook you know like really like light themes (laughs) and uh you know I was in this place where physically I was actually slipping closer to death right you know unbeknownst to me and I was really like drawn to and able to like take on those themes in a way that like a healthy person maybe couldn't like the veil between life and death was was like more transparent for me and I could see it and I could really think about what those things mean and I could really feel that trauma at that moment because I was fairly traumatized and I didn't know any of this at the time like at the time I, I was just working and it was just this like natural next step and then I look And then, you know, then I I get better, I get diagnosed, I get better, blah, 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 you know. And fast forward and I look back at that work and I'm like, oh, my God, like, and I'm thinking about Goya and I'm thinking about, wow, like how, how, how much we believe that we're fully in control of everything, you know, that, that my brain is in control of everything, that I'm the author of everything I do in my work, but I'm not. In, as in control as I thought, you know, and being on that place where like in that place that Goya and I like ended up making the same decision, which was like our body in control in that moment. And the second, you know, the second I was better, I couldn't make that work anymore. It was going to be this larger series. It was going to be the show and I couldn't do it. I just like, I, I couldn't make that work. I couldn't be in that place. I was, I looked at the plans I had for the show I was going to do and I was like, nope, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. You know, like didn't resonate. Yeah. I'm just like not there anymore. And I think that was a really humbling, this has just happened. So this is a really humbling experience to me that I've always thought I've been in control of each of these phases that I've picked what I'm working on, that I choose what the next direction is. But I'm starting to realize that like, actually like I'm not as in control as I think you know like that my body what i'm capable of at that moment my capacity my body you know the world around me the people who are influencing me that like they're as much in control as i am you know like my partner my you know like how much oh i didn't even mention that how come how much my current is in my work how much like meeting him changed my work and like he's in control of my work, you know, like these people I worked for were in control of my work. My body's in control of my work. So I think now I'm feeling a lot humbler about it that like, I'm actually like a vessel that lots of things move through, you know, and like lots of things can shift where it goes and the ideas and the shifts in the work, they're actually less about me than they are about like all the forces around me. You know, and I'm the work moves through me and I'm just yeah. the lens it moves through. I mean, that's a very long answer to your question, but yeah. No, no, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I'd feel like in my own work, I, I'm very much I feel like it's not about me ever, really. But it's the world through my eyes or it's like right. my edits of what I right. want to look at, you know. Totally. And like I grew up in Pittsburgh, so Warhol was kind of always around. And Warhol was always there was always that sort of like punk ethos of like him saying, well, this work isn't anything about me. It's just about pop culture or the world. But it was so him, but it right. it wasn't about him 
necessarily. You know what I mean? Right. It was just the way he saw the world. It was through the world through his eyes. That's right. So I think, you know, there's different ways to do it. There's some people who build worlds. They make alternate universes in their work. And, you know, it's about that experience of escape or mm-hmm. fantasy or, totally. or it can be about their own demons, whatever it is. But I think, you know, it's just a visual relationship to something. Your own ideas, your ideas of the world, reflecting the world, you know, totally. and uh, it's, I think it's about that connection. And to your point about, you know, combining the, the mental side and then the physical side, that synthesis, synthesis between the two elements, I think that's the recipe when work can get really interesting and compelling. And that's sometimes when work can be a little less interesting or oh, redundant, totally, totally. you know? I mean, I, I do think it's that thing like, I've never felt like um, a world builder or, you know, a creator at all. You know, like I think of myself as reactive and like critical and commentary, (laughs) you know, like to to the point when I was young, I really wanted to be a writer. I I thought I'd be a writer. And, um, you know, I went to college and I I took fiction. You you take fiction writing classes. That's what you do. And Mm -hmm. uh, I am a terrible, (laughs) terrible fiction (laughs) writer. Like really bad you know like uh just a terrible fiction writer i have no ability or desire to create you know like to, to make up a character to make up a world to think of a place for them and a scenario i'm like much more like why would i make something up when the whole world is here like that i can respond to and organize and filter and think about and you know right. like and organize it and make sense of it and you know i'm a nonfiction writer till i die you know and i my painting functions similarly it's like taking these ideas taking these feelings taking moments taking gut feelings or instincts and then organizing them making sense of them you know presenting them you know like and i that's just you know that's just the way my brain works and i'm i'm in awe of people who are creators i'm in awe of people who you know write a novel or, or take a painting that's their world and just like like create that for you because right. nothing in my brain works like that like i'm yeah, i'm a know, warhol i'm a warhol 100 yeah, yeah. you know uh in in the camp of artists i'm definitely camp warhol but um it I, it just makes me love and respect that other work even more you know because i'm like where yeah. does this come from <laughs> you know like totally like, yeah like I, I i can relate more to the idea of documentary or not relate I guess I think about the world more like if I were making movies as a documentarian than a, you know, a Marvel movie or something. Yeah. Like creating those. But those are really cool. It's really oh, amazing that cool. people <laughs> can build it. Like Lord of the Rings, it's like how, I mean, I know the books, but it's just amazing. That kind of storytelling no, and narrative is not how my brain works. Yeah. No. Yeah. I have a, I had a friend who just wrote a novel and he gave it to me and I read it and it's incredible. And I just, I, because it was someone I knew and I'm close with, I kept being like, but how did you come up with all right. <laughs> you know, like, right. but it? And it's totally like invented from nothing. It's about like pilgrim times in America. And like, I'm like, but where did these characters come from? Like, where did any of it? It's a, yeah, it's, mer- it's a miracle to me, which, uh, which is, yeah, which makes me still, love books and love paintings like that and love art like that you know like with that childlike awe of like i don't have no idea how this was done you know yeah anyway now if your if your paintings were music would they be instrumentals or would they be singer songwriter or where do you think they would fall i don't know it's a good question um 
I imagine you're a music I guess fan. I'm biased because I'm a music fan and I play music. So yeah. it's hard to think about it. Like, you know, because I feel like one holistic person, because like my music, my writing and my art all feel like they're coming from the same person. Like mm-hmm. um, there's some extent, to some extent, like they'd probably be like my music, you know, like which. Uh, what, wait, when did you start playing music? Um, I've always played music since I was a child. I didn't like, you know, and I, I had that, I had this thing and I've always been a huge music fan. Like, yeah, I was a DJ and a radio DJ and I'm a huge record collector. And, you know, like a lot of artists, I have a great love of, of music yeah. and, and always had. And I, I grew up in the 90s and, you know, was like classic record store nerd going, you know, going to the record store every day and using all my money to buy records. And, but um, in that, I think maybe also being a product of the 90s, I was always the girlfriend of the guy in the band. Right. I don't think, I, I know there was some example, prime examples of women in music. I mean, Kim Gordon is a fucking goddess, you know, like, yeah. um, but it was, it was definitely not, it definitely seemed like guys were in bands, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like if you're into 90s grunge and like classic rock, like, dudes do bands you know and like right. i dated a lot of guys in bands i dated a lot of musicians and it always just felt even though i grew up playing music like i went to a you know i went to a high school that was very music oriented so i played music i played drums you know i i i played like drum kit i took lessons you know every week with this guy alan and uh and and also you know played piano i took piano lessons you know i i, I like learned that stuff and it never occurred to me to like, I just never visualized myself or, or like as that person who did that, you know? Well, you probably weren't seeing as many people around doing it, of you course. know? Like if you go to a battle of the bands that's local, right? you know, like if you take grunge, there's like 8 million, you know, and then there's like L7 or, you know, there's right. like two or three, there's like, yeah, there was like, like a I'm few. sure there's a lot of girl bands, but not as much. I mean, it was yes. cool when the Riot Girl thing came out because then you were like, and oh, there's had actually buddies, a lot. You know, kind of girls got together and be like, let's do this, you know? And like, yeah. Um, yeah, and I knew a lot of guys who played music and, and then who went on to be musicians and like went on to be in bands, like well-known bands, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, and when I, you know, it was funny when I got to college, I dated a drummer and I was a drummer and he was like, he and I just was like, well, he's better than I am he's much better so and he was a very good drummer and it was like well of course I'm not gonna <laughs> like he's the yeah. one who should be in a band and so I would you know drive him to shows and help him move his gear and like but um later in life uh I, th- I think the world changed a lot you know like and I was in my 30s and uh, I was dating this particularly heinous guy sorry um, <laughs> uh, who was a musician and uh, when I was kind of fed up with his ego about it and like his relationship to music and I just was like that I'm just gonna I'm gonna go like I want to like write a record I'm gonna make a record you know like um, I have spent my whole life around this I know so much about recording (laughs) I I have like I know so much because like you spend your life around it and with all these boyfriends and like you know, you have all the gear, you, you know, all how all the pedals work, you know how to play all the stuff, you know, and it was really a freeing, like wonderful time for me. Just, uh, and it was, it became this, um, 
also this counterpoint to painting. My career in painting was a thing, like I had a career. And once you have a career with painting, it's like you've got deadlines, you've got schedules, you've got all these responsibilities, like, oh, this, I need to make work for this art fair. And it starts to lose a little bit of like the creative luster fun part. <laughs> because right. becomes it's real a job, job, you know, like <laughs> it's a job. And um, I think it was very, it was a very nice counterbalance for me to have this thing, which I had no, I didn't have to be good at it. I didn't have to like, I was, I didn't have to show it to anyone ever. I wasn't trying to like climb a ladder. I didn't have ego about it. I didn't have insecurity like, uh, like I would with painting, like painting, you know where you are in the pecking order, you know where you are in the market. And like, you either feel insecure about that or, or you feel driven to climb, you know, like, and you know, all that stuff that is tied up with being a professional contemporary artist. It was very nice to just do something which was fully creative and like there's no stakes, none, you know, it was just like me, like on the eight track, you know, like on the computer, bleep, bleep, bloop, you know, buying synthesizers and like writing songs and like, uh, but you know, it's funny, like to the, the initial question, like what I ended up producing in the end is, you know, there are songs, there are singer songwriter songs and they share a lot in common with my paintings, like on the surface. They're about ideas. <laughs> They're all very like cerebral songs. They're, uh, I, I like just like getting around and messing around and like, you know, layering a lot of stuff together and like yeah. having a lot of parts. And they're like, they share a mood with the paintings. Like I think of my paintings as sad and sweet, you know, like that there is like, um, there's a mood that my work has which is a mood I embody, which is a mood that like I is also my personality, <laughs> which is like I, I feel very deeply. I'm a very sensitive person. I'm capable of feeling great sadness. I, I'm capable of thinking about the world in those terms. But I'm also d- deeply moved by beauty. You know, I'm, a, I'm a, a feeler. And everything for me is about, you know, what I would describe as the shimmer between like beauty and horror you know, the between sadness and beauty, which is maybe some sort of existential idea. Like the world is so awful. (laughs) There's so much sadness and there's so much tragedy and there's so much horror, but it's also like really beautiful. Like life, life is this gift. Like life, like has the ability to move you to tears with how moving it is and how beautiful it is. And, and like embodying that contradiction that, that, you know, uh, things can be at once tragic and also beautiful, you know, that, like um, America, that's what America is, right? That this country is horrific and built on horror and, <laughs> and built on like, you know, like like sin and death and killing. But yet it's also a really beautiful place that, that I'm like moved by how beautiful the ideas are, the country is or the landscape is. I mean, the recent work about America is all about that shimmer. That it's a duality, right? Things can be both, you know, like, yeah. and uh you know, to me, the, the work is a lot about that. Like, it's about this deep, the inevitability of death. I mean, all my work comes back to death over and over and over. That, like, we will die about transience. We have very limited time. Time is slipping by, and it's it's awful how quickly it moves, you know? Like, yeah. it's awful. Like, that, that, that you're pulled on this chain with this, you know, like, heavy ball pulling you through. And yet, you know, like... 
along the way, it's hard not to be overcome by how beautiful it is or how, or the sunset you see or my son and you know, how incredible he is and, yeah. or falling in love or, or a beautiful song you hear or that record you love, or when you put on a record that you love and like you get that feeling or you're driving in your car and some song comes on and you're just like 20 forever. <laughs> you're just going to live forever and you could just get in that place. Like, all those moments of beauty and joy are intermixed with like with the inevitability of death and the and that's what makes the beauty you know is is the the inevitable end or loss of everything so right because conversely groundhog's day like would it be (laughs) wonderful and beautiful if it were the same over and over and there were no temporality and no nothing you know you would just be go crazy probably and that those moments are so fleeting is you know part of it so you know the work the work is a lot about that sadness and it's a lot about like reckoning with that with 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 the sadness i feel but the real loss life there's so much loss i mean we will live if we're lucky we'll live to lose most of the people we love you know right. if not all the people we love and um how can you not feel overwhelmed by that like how can that reality not be and you know, even if you have kids, you probably won't. You, you you're gonna miss half of their life. <laughs> you know, like all yeah. the, all the things you lose are so great. But um, you know, and that that's in the music or the the painting. You know, that feeling, the, that feeling of of seriousness and that feeling of sadness. But I always lean towards you know, like meaning. Like for me, that's right. the purpose of art. That like taking all of that and not it not be nihilism that there be some meaning to it or looking for that meaning or looking for that beauty or looking for those feelings. I think, you know, I personally try to lean into that a lot. You know, I I personally try to lean into those moments where you're like overwhelmed by some beautiful landscape or overwhelmed by falling in love with somebody and that feeling of, of like first love or, you know, I try to lean into those things and, you know, that it's a mood that like everything I make has the writing that, you know, and it's a mood that like, I edit towards and I lean towards and 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 it this was something I learned from Kara Walker when I was working for her like one of the reasons her work is so powerful I think having watched her make it is that she feels everything I mean she's the, one of the biggest feelers I've ever met yeah. she has the capacity an insane capacity to hold emotions inside of her and like like the entire history and meaning of slavery she can just feel all of it and like and feel all the trauma and feel all the horror like and when she's making her work she goes into this place where she sits in that and carries it all and then works in that place and like I think it really challenged me that like there is this thing where like you can center your body on like what a subject what a topic feels like what an idea feels like and and give it give the work that and you can edit around that like the things that feel you know like they don't quite fit the mood or <laughs> they don't quite right. fit the you know they can go away but i think i it's just a confusing way that there's this instinctual thing in my studio where i do have this like vibe of how i want things to feel and how yeah. i want them to sound and like and I do edit towards that. I do cut works out or paint towards that. Like, and as I've gotten older, that's only gotten clearer. Like, what feels like my work to me? What feels like, you know? And I have a couple of things that I go by, and that's one of them. Like, aiming for this feeling. Another thing is like I have this 
idea about like empty full that I'm always like going towards, which is how much can I remove from the work and it still contains everything. Like, can I take, can, can I take more out? Can I take more out? Like how reductive can I make it? You know, aiming for this kind of minimalist space, but yet without losing any, without losing the feeling or the meaning or the conceptualism and like, can I strip more away? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and I, you know, my editing practice is always like looking for this feeling, looking to strip things away, you know, and it all, often that means, you know, I'm a repetitive painter, meaning I'll paint the same painting three or four times until it's, it hits those two things, you know, and um, like a lot of the work is like that. Like my last show at Kazman, a lot of those were the third or fourth version of the same painting. Oh, really? You do? Yeah, because I'll paint it and it's like, it's just not elegant enough. It's not reductive enough. It's not easy enough. Like I want it to look so easy. (laughs) You know, like, like <laughs> it's, it's hard to uh, make it look so easy. You know, and like yeah. the first time you do it, it doesn't. It looks like it look. You're, you're making decisions while you go. You can see that kind of process, or it, you know, you're making painting decisions. Will this be red? Will this be white? You know, like yeah, it gets overworked, and you know, the second, third, or fourth time, I can just hit that thing where it's like it looks like. the the most effortless thing that ever happened. It looks, it's got that reductive thing. It's got that perfect mood where it just was made in the flow state. I never thought about anything. And, and, you know, and it's it's come to this point in the practice where I've, like, and some, you know, at the night show, for instance, the elegy show of all the black and white paintings, some of those, yeah, I I hit it perfect the first time. It was like, nailed it, (laughs) you know, like, boom, you know. But most of those were two or three times, you know, just like, scrape it down start again you know and like anyway that's that's all to just say like yeah that would be the music it all would be just it would feel just like the painting (laughs) right right yeah no that that makes sense and it's something that uh do you are you still like hyperactive doing both like you're obviously you're making your paintings all the time you still writing music or is it harder i don't get to do it as much i still play it's tough right i still play i play the banjo um and i still play um, nice. I don't get to record and it's something I really miss. And actually that's another thing that like my friends who have kids in high school really get back to get back to that. Uh, yeah. Like I, I've got, they're, they're busy doing their stuff. They've got friends and activities and soccer practice. So I look forward to having that time. But right now that time is, um, I'm child rearing with my, right. my, my hobby yeah. is, reading books to a two-year-old yeah. <laughs> teaching him to use the potty you know like right um, yeah yeah but I, I i daydream that like he'll get really into it you know maybe he'll be really into music and i can get there'll be a little phase when we can play together yeah it's what like you know having a kid who's in high school who and um i think just listening to music all the time because we i listen to music all the time it's just kind of rubs off and my dad was like that he was always playing Motown yeah. and stuff and I grew up listening to music all the time and it, yeah, I think if it's around it just gets in you yeah you, know? yeah. you can't shake it I think which I think is a good quality yeah I think it's it seems inevitable um, you know and he already has that thing he gets very attached to music although I don't know if you remember having a two year old sometimes it's like Farmer in the Dell is my favorite song <laughs> you know he's like again again Farmer in the Dell I'm like oh man and like, you're listening you're listening to it all the time, like oh, the yeah. Thomas the Tank Engine was a thing. We, like, I oh, remember, yeah, like, we stuff like him, that. We, we played him like when he was a baby. 
We played in like everything cool. And my, my partner, Karen, is one of those guys who like just collects all the coolest music. He knows everything that's cool historically or new. And like he's, he never stops looking for new music. And like, so he, we played him so much cool stuff. And he was a baby. He would like trip out. He loved Moondog when he was like oh, a little nice. baby. And we were like, oh, he's going to be well, it's so very percussive. cool. Yeah, it's percussive and kind of simple, you know, yeah. the, the stories, like kind of childlike. Anyway, we played him so much cool stuff. And then the second he could ask for his own music, he was like, Farmer in the Dell again. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and, and Curran would be like, do you want to hear this, uh, you know, this cool thing? And he'd be like, no, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a... It, I love how excited he is about music, and we will do it. We will listen to Farmer in the Dell 700 times. Um, but yeah, he'll get there. He'll be yeah, asking he's you to play like you know, Kendrick <laughs> I know, before I you know it. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, I get. Yeah, I get. I know. It's funny because when they get like domineering over your audio, you know, because I mean? <laughs> when you're a parent, when you're younger, you can like to your point, you can just subject them. You can listen to all sorts of stuff, and they're just like, oh yeah, that's what's on. Totally. And then they hit a certain age where like, no, we're listening to this on the way to school. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? And oh, yeah. I was totally like that. I like I, rem- yeah. I remember being like that as a little kid, like uh, telling my parents what, what we would be listening to from then on out. And like, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, he's very bossy, my son. So I, I'm sure we will. <laughs> we will have that have that life anyway. Well, uh, so what what is what have you been working on these days? You have yeah, new- I yes. I'm in an upcoming show about photorealism uh, nice. at a museum, and uh, the curator gave me the opportunity of writing uh, for the catalog about oh, it. Oh, nice! And I used to do a lot of art writing before I had a busy painting career, and I'm always I'm always trying to get more writing projects. Like I just want one a year. I don't want more than one a year. Right. But it's a nice. It's nice to exercise that part of the brain. It's nice to research. It's nice to like read, you know, things about um, art history and kind of be that person I was when I was a student. I don't want to yeah. do it all the time. I don't want a job writing, but um, I like taking on one project a year. So I've just written about that, which was, you know, fun for me because it was a genre I knew very little about and I never had thought about and never had connected to any of those artists at all. And it Speaking was, of dudes, yeah, it's a yeah. lot of dudes, oh, isn't it's it? A lot of dudes. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, not, but by design. Um, yes. But um, yeah, it was, uh, and some problematic dudes in there too. Um, yeah. Chuck Gliss, well, yeah. Aren't least, there always at least one problematic dudes? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in any genre, ruining the whole thing for everybody. How was Bechtel? Was he any? Was he problematic? No, and actually, that's the work I like the best. I mean, just pers- yeah, that's personally, cool. that's the work that like. Uh, that right. I would of, of the photorealists. That's the work I like. Oh, I like Estes. I, lo- oh, I love Estes's prints. Yeah, my partner does too. They're very his, beautiful. His prints are like he's oddball right too, which is cool because you can't. He's untrained. You know, he's untrained. He's not part of the art world. It's like he's yeah. his own, which is you know you can get into that. It's his, totally his own weird world. Yeah. And way of working. Anyway, it was nice to reckon with all that work and think about uh, what ways I relate or not to it, and. It gave me also a little time to have a break from painting, both from like the aforementioned illness and then writing. I took like, I don't know, four months off, which I don't normally do, which yeah. um, I'm not someone who's really ever taken much of a break, which has been really nice because I have had this, I think I've just had a, a desire recently that like some of the trajectories I was on were coming to a natural end. 
I also think once you get to black on black painting, you're like, that's the end of that, you know, like end of that line. that's the black hole, you know, like we're, right. we're the event horizon. We're going over the event horizon now. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think, to, you know, to follow that Star Trek metaphor, like I think it, it, I was really at a moment I wanted to go over the event horizon, go through the, the black hole, go through the wormhole and come out to something new, you know, and yeah. I was kind of ready to rebirth my work a bit. So it's been nice to and I said no to some stuff which I, I don't do I have to you know for health reasons say no to some stuff and it really was good to like get out of the art fair cycle you know one of the things everyone complains about is now it's such a 24 7 365 cycle right because there's, there's always some art fair freaking art fair that you have to be making work for <laughs> And like you've got your shows and then you've got multiple galleries and then you've got like commitments for each gallery at every fair. And so if you're always making, there's not a lot of time to like experiment. There's not a lot right. of time to like reboot or like rethink about like, what do you want to do for the next five years or make a new five year plan or, you know, like uh, I had really been feeling and I could have just kept working without thinking, but I had just been feeling a real desire to to do the reboot, you know, like yeah. hard system reboot, you know, like OS upgrade, you know, like yeah, um, yeah. I think I'd been, I was at the end of the line on some stuff, and just also feeling like a different person, and just a lot of things, and yeah, it's been really nice. So I've spent a lot of time experimenting, thinking, drawing, kind of imagining, like what might come next reckoning with some ideas thinking about what i made the last five ten years you know like mm -hmm. which is also something you don't get a lot of time to do to reflect um and set my next show for you know fall 2023 so i would have time to do that you know so um for once in my life i've, I've kind of emptied my calendar to allow this moment of rebirth which will come sometime fall 2023 so nice la will, la will be my next show no it feels good i mean uh it, it'll be interesting to see the fit i haven't made the show yet it'll be interesting to see the show because um it will either feel like a new chapter probably you know for me or it won't feel like a new chapter it'll be that thing where we run from ourselves and just run into ourselves you know like <laughs> right. yeah, um yeah. and that will be telling too you know like i always tell the story it's it, uh it's like studio visits with students in the 90s the late 90s uh and early 2000s i went to i went to one of those whitney biennials when everything was about like collectives astrid vivid focus uh, and like yeah, yeah. i yeah. went to one of those biennials when Force there was like field. no painting right it was all just like we're a band that makes experiences, you know, yeah, that you yeah. come to. And I, I, I'd been painting, you know, I guess it was the early 2000s and I'd been painting so alone in my studio, like, you know, those years when you have nothing going on and no gallery and you're just like alone every day in the studio being like, what am I doing here? And I was feeling very lonely. And I was like looking at that life, I guess that thing I was saying before, like, wouldn't it be cool if I was like, I should be a video artist. I should be a, performance artist you know right. like, I should be in a collective like what am I doing and I um I decided I would be I, I just decided conceptually I'd like be a video artist and I um I borrowed all this like I, I made plans for the videos I was going to make and borrowed all this video equipment and I applied for a residency to go start my life as this new like collective video artist 
I don't know, I was probably 23, I guess, before, uh, 25, yeah. I don't know, young 20s. And um, I went up to this residency for eight weeks and I brought all this video equipment and all these plans for these videos. And then I came back, you know, 12 weeks later with like 20 paintings of vi the videos that I was going to make, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, and that became my white column show, like, uh, right. or that became the work that was my white column show. And like these new media pieces I was going to make became like paintings of them and I was like oh it's a parable you know like you give a painter a video camera they give you a painting of a video camera <laughs> you know like right. um, so maybe this show next fall will be like that will be like I'm like I'm being reborn <laughs> and right. then I I come out of the womb like as as myself you know like, like <laughs> right. fully a Benjamin Button or something I'm like here I am right in, you know like, right in the sweet spot I'm new just, like, you know the ground like, running um, yeah. so we shall we, time will tell but uh, and you know what either would be delightful you know I, yeah. I think I felt equally delighted when my my stint as a video artist um became paintings of videos felt I was like ah, that feels about right <laughs> well, we can only do what we do you know yeah, like exactly. you have to kind of follow your intuitive I mean you push it and you think about it and you reflect on it but at the end of the day you have to be kind of true to yourself yeah. and where you want to go you know totally and those you know, and I, 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 I'm not depressed by it. I think it's funny when I, those moments you, you try to run for your, from yourself and you run into yourself. And it's like, I'm just like, ah, of course, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you can't get away from yourself, you know, like we are trapped in our body and our consciousness. Of course not. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, we'll see. It will be a new chapter no matter what, like how, how different it feels, I guess, just depends on where I'm at. But it's been, Either way, it's been nice to just breathe for a minute. I mean, I'm, I'm beset by guilt and FOMO right now. I mean, like, it's been amazing to, like, not be on the, the hamster wheel and to, like, think about work and experiment and just make paintings just to try something or, like, experiment with yeah. a new material or technique. On one hand, it's, like, exciting. But on the other hand, then there's all the, like, career guilt of, like, you know, and like Instagram guilt of like, ah, I'm not showing, I'm not doing, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, ah, you know, and it's like, it's really telling because it's like, it's really telling about, not me, but about the moment we're in because it's like, I took four months off and I'm like, like in the grand scheme of the, like Lee Bontecue took like eight years off, you know, like right. I took four months off. And I can barely handle it, you know, like because now there's that feeling that guilt of like everybody, like look at producing. all these people showing every minute, making something every minute, and it's like, it's like wow, we're at that point where it's just like Georgia O'Keeffe took four years off when she went to the Ghost Ranch, you know, like yeah, it must be nice. And her best work <laughs> followed that, you know, like right, right. There, yeah, no, you need I that sometimes. I don't think in, unless you're really strong-willed or something i think it would be nearly impossible to do that now like one i'm not sure anyone would allow you to come back you know like i'm not sure the art world is structured for that but then yeah. b like i think the like fomo and career guilt would just like crush you like it's like <laughs> it's like always be producing you know always be closing always be closing right, always right. be closing you know like <laughs> Uh, we're, we've, we've reached like peak capitalism where it's like yeah. we're supposed to be at peak productivity and like that idea that just reading or resting or taking a nap or like catching up on some serial TV <laughs> like no you know like building a ranch out in New Mexico like no that's not you know like you always be producing 
Anyway, it's been telling. I think it's healthy to step back. I've learned because I used to be like that. I used to be on that hamster wheel every day, every day. And I do think having a family, like, you know, having a kid really helped recontextualize things. And and I also run this youth soccer club in Brooklyn. It's a nonprofit. And, you know, working with kids and giving them that opportunity. It just, it puts some things in perspective. You know, I mean, I love art. I love being creative. I love talking about it. I love thinking about it. And there's, other sides of life that are important and those things end up fueling or you know imbibing the work in something else some other experience so it doesn't become redundant totally. you know? I so mean, I, I think yeah, it's hard totally and like you know what's funny is i i saw this in some of the artists i worked for i worked for lots of people so not not, not the people i named but other people right right i would see this thing i would see that where like the work became so thin and so redundant machine, and everything right? was versions of other things because they didn't have time. They didn't have time to have new experiences. They didn't have right. time to read something new or, or learn something new or have an experience or change like that. Like the thing about having to produce work every three months is like you have no choice. But I mean, there's just no way to have an epiphany, every, you know, three like a right. personal epiphany every three months. Like it's too quick. The turnaround time is too quick. Yeah. So it's like it becomes this cyclical thing where like, you know, and I found a way to make peace with this where it was like, okay, each solo show are important to me. The solo shows are important to me. I could do those every year or two years and they could be like bigger statements. And I would just use art fairs to experiment, make weird one-offs or finish something from one of those shows. Like that it would either be part of that show or it would be an experiment for something new. And that I could use that time to experiment. And that that was the only way around it because I do see that thing in people where like the work starts to get thin and you know and yet like somehow the contemporary art world requires that of you that you you right. just keep making but then it it's like you see the work get like thinner and thinner like it's been Xerox too many times you know like a thing that you well just for them Xeroxing. but for them it you're a commodity no, I don't want I'm thinking more of yes, music. It's like a, a it's, there's other people in the chain. So if you burn out, oh well. And right. It's like bands, like they want you to go on tour all the time to make money. You got to make money, make money. There's no time to go to a recording studio. You got to right. write the songs and go. Right. Like it's kind of thin. No, it's because similar. Yeah, it's a exhausted. And you're like, well, next band will come along or whatever. Where's so, the money? I, yeah, and that's. I mean, it's kind of interesting that like the art world has like non coincidental or interesting that the art world has become so youth oriented. And that it is so so much about like who's up next and who's up yeah. next because if you're not giving like mid career artists time to like reset if you're not giving them time to like have new work or new ideas and like you know like what would have happened in the past or to go out and come back in you know if that time isn't there and you want something fresh like where are you going to get it you know you're going to get it from yeah. the next thirty year old you know twenty five year old like teaching. Like always bring in young people, have them in for two years and get rid of them. Right. So you don't have like, you know, but then there's something to be said for experience, you know, or, or being around. Like, you know, wasn't it a hoax I said I didn't make a good piece of art until I was in my 90s or yeah, something? exactly. I mean, which is an exaggeration and a little. I feel um, like that handled, all the time. I, you know, what's crazy is like uh, this question of youth is interesting because it's like me, A, because we're showing so many young people right now, but like. On one hand, I definitely, I feel like as a painter, it took so many years <laughs> to like 
get a, like enough knowledge and sensitivity with the material. It's a material practice, you know, yeah. and chem chemical chemistry practice. Like it took so many years for me to get enough sensitivity to the materials and enough sensitivity to ideas and whatever that the work didn't is just now kind of starting to get good, you know, like, right. yeah. and, um, it, and it's like this, t like you need a lot of time and like without the professional side of it, maybe I like, that's what allowed me to get all that time. That's what allowed me to make all that work and grow. And, um, but yeah, it is funny that like at this, like at the moment you start to like, and I, I see that in other painter. I mean, I think, I think about so many painters where it's like, they were in their fifties or sixties where it's like, they're really starting to like figure stuff out, you yeah. know? Anyway, it's, it's a funny thing about being so youth oriented. Yeah. You know, well, at that, at that moment where I'm like, no, but now, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, right? like, uh, like now hitting. I can do stuff, you know, like right. I, I was terrible. You know, I see the work from, and it's like there's a, yeah, there's a beauty at each stage. Like there's a naivete of youth and exuberance of youth. Like, um, in innocence also like you don't know everything and and like so you kind of like can take you know like risks and leaps you might not do later knowing more you know like yeah exactly. I, I still like look at that work and like it and enjoy parts about it but yeah there is something to be said about each each phase <laughs> I totally <laughs> agree I think it takes a long look and ideally people are there with you, you know, yeah. or let you do that. I hope but, you so. Know, I we have to do what we, we I do. I hope so. You know? <laughs> I'm like, you know, fingers crossed. It is like that funny thing, but. Well, like I said before, I'm a, a huge fan of the work, so I was very excited to talk to you. Yeah, it's a big fan of the podcast, so. Thank you. Yeah, mutual. You, people listen to this? You listen? I don't you know. Listen I, to people do. Um, <laughs> isn't that funny? Uh, I, you must know, though. You know people listen because you see the little listen numbers. <laughs> oh, it's, you know, it's I'm funny. one of the well, little listen yeah, numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't look at the numbers, but uh, honestly, I, but I do get messages, which is really nice. So, That's and, nice. you know, you just get, you can kind of, when you get a lot of messages from people, you understand that people are listening to it or whatever, That's but. Awesome. It's it's so selfish. I just love doing it. Yeah, this is for, as it, you know, as it this isn't you the wouldn't job. do this it otherwise. For fun. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not on like payroll, so this is just fun <laughs> thing to do. You know, it is really um, fun, and it's fun. I mean, thank you for doing this with me. It's fun for me, like especially, especially if you're a like career artist and you're not teaching. I get so few chances to talk to people about you know. Oh, it's, yeah. it's funny. Like you get more and more like when you're in school and when you're younger and when you're in the scene right. and when you're like, I feel like I used to talk about art all the time, like yeah. living in New York, and we get, get the bar studios <laughs> you know, like, and you know, yeah, and you yeah, get yeah. older and you yeah. have life comes at yeah. you and then you're like, Oh, I forgot what it's like. To I talk about like nap schedules and sleep schedules. I talk to like moms <laughs> about like, you know, so it's, this has been the highlight of my month. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing it. it was oh, great. anytime. Yeah.